Welcome to the Resilient Mind Podcast, exploring how our thoughts and feelings influence our actions. I am Steve Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More, professional coaching firm, and... I'm Andrew Marangoni, founder and CEO of Steel City Pack Leader. Together, we founded Pittsburgh Pet Care, where coaching and pet care meet. And this is our podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Resilient Mind podcast with Andrew and Steve. I'm Steve Nathanson here with my good friend, Andrew Marangoni. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing well. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I'm excited today because I actually really like this topic. And as we go through it, I'm sure I'm going to ask you to keep me very focused and surface level with it because today we're talking about emotional intelligence. It's a very fun topic for me. It's one of my favorite topics. I really enjoy actually talking about this and I'll try not to dive too much into the academic or the theory side of it, but we do want to talk about, well, what is it? What is emotional intelligence? What does it really mean? And finding ways to really harness that, especially as we talk about having a resilient mindset. Two degrees. He loves this topic too. <laughs> right? It off. That's right. So without fail, let's dive into it. emotional intelligence. What is it? Essentially, it's our intelligence around our emotions, the way that we manage ourselves. How aware are we of our emotions and the influence that they have? And then are we aware of that within others as well? And how do we manage that? So that right there is kind of these four domains, actually, of emotional intelligence. We have our own awareness, so self-awareness around our emotions. Self-management, again, around, say, our emotional regulation. How do we manage those emotions? Then we have our social awareness side of this. Are we aware of those emotions, say, within others? And then relationship management. How do we manage those relationships with others? Those are the four key areas of emotional intelligence. And for me, I always believe it starts with us. Before we can even get into other people, the world around us, our environments, it starts with us. So let's maybe just dive in to our own self-awareness for, for the moment. And Andrew, I'm gonna maybe ask you this question. For you, when you think about, say, emotional self-awareness, what comes to mind for you? Um, so what comes to mind to me, actually, is um, I've been practicing for a while and trying to get in tune with those types of things. So that the, the first thing is, is that a uh, admitting that you have emotions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, growing up, I took it upon myself as a self-defense mechanism to really be as emotionless as possible and kind of be as rational as possible to protect myself from being hurt. Mm. Um, I've, I dealt with a lot of disappointment and, you know, it, I wasn't being served well by my intuition, maybe, I don't know. Uh, or it might just be that I wasn't aware of my circumstances enough to understand why my reactivity emotionally wasn't serving. So I just kind of like shoved all that stuff deep down, right? Mm -hmm. what, what we're all finding is not, not a great way of uh, dealing with that kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, so, you know, when I started exploring and I started like looking more at the fact of the matter is is that you do have emotions and there's nothing wrong with having emotions and to really best serve yourself you have to understand is 
what are these emotions and what are they making my behavior want to do? Mm. Is that conducive to me? If not, can I change that? Can I, can I form it into something positive? You know, um, and it, it, it depends on the situations, right? <clears throat> if we look at it as a temper, right? Because I, you know, I, I had a lot of anger issues as a kid. And, you know, you can't just punch all your problems away. It got me in a lot of trouble in school. Right. And, and it got me beat up sometimes <laughs> um, because I underestimated, you know, my anger taking out my opponent and I started hitting and they were like, ha, 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 wham. And I was just like, oh, no, that was not. That was not, not what you way. wanted. <laughs> right. It was not the best way to deal with yeah. it. And. So, you know, you start dealing with some of the consequences of your emotions and that's what starts giving you some awareness and adaptation of, all right, it's okay to have feelings. Now, once I understand why am I having this feeling, what am I going to do with the energy in the emotion or the motion of the energy or the emotion, which is kind of what that is. Yeah. um, um, Emotions charge you. And you have to displace that energy in a way that's productive and serving to you to find the most benefit. Um, Now, just venting and letting out your anger sometimes in the moment is very serving for you. But sometimes that has consequences on others around you. And that's where you can start tying it to the next part. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's and it's very very true, right? There's a lot of things that we, especially as men, are taught to bury deep down, and that essentially is denying a part of who we are. We're trying to cut off, say, these emotions or these feelings that we have. But what that does is it doesn't shut off part of us. It doesn't get rid of that part. It buries it, causes it to fester. And then that ultimately explodes and it can ultimately explode in ways we don't want because maybe I have a friend or a family member that does something really kind of small and slight, but because I buried everything deep down inside of me and maybe I've just had a rough day, it explodes. It comes to that surface. And now to your point, it impacts those others around us. And I actually, I want to bring this example up about crying because that's one thing we're taught not to do right as as men in society there's no crying in baseball right that famous line from a league of their own which is a great movie but here's what i would say about that is when we cry whether it's happy tears whether it's sad tears it's actually a physical release by our body and you feel better after that happens and so there's actually this benefit to letting that happen and letting that that go And if you've ever gone through, say, a very bad breakup, you know, someone's broken your heart and it's been a very painful experience, those tears may naturally well up inside of us. But if we tried to deny that, we're still going to feel that pain, say that anger uh, that comes with it and maybe that, that breakup. But once we actually release that, there's this physical release of tension within our bodies as well. So there's something to actually truly being aware of all of our emotions happiness, sadness, anger, joy, um, pride, even jealousy, right? All of these parts to us and the impact that they have on us and accepting 
that we do have all of this within us. So are we aware of the emotions that we have within us, the impact that they have on others to your point and, and specifically the impact they have on myself and is it helping, is it serving? And then are we aware of where that leads us to? Am I very strong and have strengths in areas that are very helpful to me? Do I have areas I wanna grow in? Right, we've talked about this before, instead of characterizing it as weaknesses, I like to characterize these as areas to grow in, our growth areas. That's another part of this self-awareness piece. And then also my confidence. These feelings can play into our confidence because our feelings, thoughts, and beliefs, behaviors, right? They're all tied together. So if I feel doubtful or scared or hesitant, right? It can weigh on my confidence, say public speaking. That's a big example for, for folks. They don't want to stutter. They don't want to say, um, they don't want to make, say, a fool out of themselves in front of people and feel that maybe I'm anxious and I'm nervous. And that keeps me perhaps from engaging in this speech that maybe would get me that exposure I need in my work life to get to that next level. So how do these emotions come up and can I embrace that they're part of me and once i accept that then it's easier to manage those that second piece of this emotional intelligence and truly engage in what we want so let's talk about that self-management piece for a second because now that we're talked about the awareness right that's step one step two then is what do we do with them <laughs> right when these emotions come up for us what do we do and you're bringing out some examples i think of uh, the anger piece, right? That's a common one. Uh, I've worked with some athletes and I'm gonna turn this over here to you in a second. So I stop maybe going down these tangents, but I've worked with athletes who in that moment get so frustrated by making mistakes. Maybe I threw an interception or I missed this pass, right? Or I'm open, pass me the ball <laughs> even, right? And I get so upset at my teammates that maybe my nose has been out of joint and I'm a terrible teammate the rest of the game, perhaps. How do we bring awareness to that and then manage it to truly help us to where we want to go? So I'm actually curious to throw this back to you on the management piece. What have you learned through your experiences that help you manage your emotions once you are aware of them in the moment? Breathing. <clears throat> yeah. My, my first answer is when I get hit with a moment of emotional chargedness, I need to take a breath. Mm. and um just breathing and taking a moment and asking myself a, a series of questions really is why am i angry what brought this situation on what's the root cause of this situation is it internal is it external is it chronic you know i go through this laundry list of things so that i don't overreact um or react in impulsively mm. with non-serving behavior yeah um you know it's quite odd you know we live in a world nowadays where um at any moment people's schedules can change and you have to adjust and the more people you have on your schedule who have adjustable schedules the more frustrating that can get mm -hmm. um, you know so <clears throat> if i fell to pieces every time somebody you know things didn't go my way I, I would have been done a long time ago. So, you know, 
there's a lot of adaptability to, to managing yourself and understanding you were talking about confidence. And, you know, one of the things that keeps me confident is a familiar, uh, a familiarity with I've been here before. Mm -hmm. I've been through mm -hmm. situations over and over again. And that gives me confidence that I'll get through to the other side. Um, and I think one of the, the hard parts about our world navigating today, is one of the reasons why we started this con the, this uh, podcast is because our world in the last few years has become unstable um, in a lot of manners. And it took away some of our confidence in being a human being in this world, mm -hmm. because it, it brought a lot of what ifs and things we hadn't thought about into our lives. And that, you know, is me being aware that what I may have known previously isn't true now. And now I have to deal with those emotions and I had to take action and management. And like we said at the beginning of this, like when all this started is, you know, that it's here and we can't change that, right? right? You know, so like when you get to a place where you feel that emotion, you know, denying that emotion isn't making that go away. So you can either release immediately with whatever your, you know, genetic predis, predis, predisposition is for that behavior, or you can work on an alternate behavior. Yep. You know, um, I talked to you before about my, my traffic issues and my anger management in traffic. And again, that boils down to is what was the source of my road rage? It was the unpredictability of the other driver. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. finding a solution to just anytime it's safe, let the other person go in front of me and be patient. It relieved that, you know, <clears throat> it's not, some people may be like, well, I just want that other person to do the traffic rules correctly. Right. Well, that's unrealistic, isn't it? I can't change what everyone else is doing. I can only change what I'm doing. Yep. So again, I made the choice to see like, why am I being, why am I being triggered in traffic? Because people are doing things that are unpredictable. How can I help manage that? Become more predictable myself. That gives them more predictability to react from. So I now am going to say, go ahead. And that increases the predictability of them just going pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, and you've really hit the nail on the head here, because when we talk about this self-management piece, and I'm not going to bore us with the, the specifics of the theory, but I'll just kind of generalize the self-management piece of emotional intelligence really is geared around embracing what does serve us and focusing on what we do want to achieve versus getting caught up in the non-serving, the negative, the stuff that keeps us down, right? So it is, it's very optimistic. It's very focused on achieving the excellence that we set out for ourselves and seizing opportunities. So this is a great example that you've brought out in that moment when I'm frustrated, right? With that driver for maybe cutting me off without a turn signal and getting into my lane, I can either honk at them, I could be upset, and I could curse them out in my car. It's very often things that people do right in, in a road rage. I, I've been there, right? I'm not immune to that. I'm never going to tell you that I'm perfect, right? Because it, it, I'm not. I mean, that's the thing is like, we all experience these things, right? And I think the judgment in the world and the society is 
you know, a contributing factor to us not, not processing our emotions correctly. Like yeah. we either shoving them down or we're misdirecting them. You know, we are a huge culture of passive aggressive tendency because mm -hmm. we don't know how to be candid with people. Like we don't know how to be brutally honest. Like we're always tiptoeing around everything because we don't want to upset people because people are so easily triggered. <laughs> right, right. It, it's it's true, right? And there's a reason why we've talked about self-awareness first today because it truly does start with us and it starts with that awareness. Because if I'm aware, say to your point, that I get upset when somebody cuts me off with turn signal, I actually would love people to use their turn signals more. That That is a driving pet peeve of mine. But I don't yell and curse them out anymore. I don't get upset by it and scare my, my dogs, right? If I'm going to say, be screaming at them in the car, they don't understand that the frustration or where that's coming from. You know, they could take it as like, that's upset at me. But no, I'm not. So here's why I bring that up, though, because when we're aware of this tendency, maybe it is a natural tendency for me to get upset that people aren't using their turn signal, which it is. But now that I'm aware of it, and once I became aware of that and becoming aware of, I don't want to always get upset and angry. It's not good. It doesn't serve me to be that upset when that happens. I know not only what happens, but I also know what I want. I want to be calm. I want to be collective. I don't want my, my dogs to be freaked out because they don't understand. I focus on what it is that I want because in that moment, when I start feeling that frustration, I can accept that it's coming up for me and that's okay because maybe that's my natural tendency. And guess what? I'm human and that's okay to have that part of me. But I also know that when that does arise, there's something different that I want to engage in. To your point, Andrew, about the choice. I have that choice to embrace what does serve me, what's gonna serve the others around me, my dogs, and make my life much more stress free and alleviate that pressure and that tension that comes with it. Because who knows if I'm say driving to go get medicine for my dog and I'm doing that in between clients and then I'm all frustrated and with my nose bent on a joint and does that come across my client? Because maybe I'm still thinking about that person who cut me off without their turn signal. That's a very real thing that could happen. So it's kind of actually naturally taking us into that piece of the impact to other people. Not only does it affect our lives, if we say embrace this non-serving, the stuff that keeps us down, but it does influence the people around us. And how does that come across to them? Do they really want to be a part of that? I'll ask you, I'll ask you this, right? Have you ever had a friend who just complained all the time about their job? Yeah. And that's it. That's all they do is just complain about the job. Do you want to be around that person anymore? No. Yeah. You you don't. The way that we have um, <laughs> the way that we interact, excuse me, with ourselves and other people have a significant impact in our lives. And if we create this awareness around our emotions, we can then more easily manage them that's going to lessen the impact, non-serving impact that is on us and the people around us. And that's really kind of the beauty of starting with us first is recognizing how does this impact us? 
And then how does it impact the people around me? And do I want that detrimental effect or not? Yeah, and, and that's an important thing to understand. And it's going to tie back into this uh, old, old thing that we've been saying from the beginning. In that moment, when that hits, what are you going to choose to practice? Your natural tendency or your new wanted behavior. Yeah. Um, and it's best to practice no matter what the circumstances are, because that is a lesson in what we call generalization. And you know, one of the things that people don't realize about their behavior is if you're going to say, I'm going to be this way with my clients and this way, this and this way, this you're practicing a whole bunch of different behavior sets based on circumstances. And that can get kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, one of the things that they say about integrity is it is what happens when no one's watching. Right. And so if you want to be a person who is in the moment sturdy and has a new plan, even if no one's around, you better start practicing in those easier circumstances. Or maybe they might be harder because no one is around and you just want to just let loose. But <clears throat> the more you practice letting loose, the more that's going to still be your behavior. So when that circumstance comes up and it's the right circumstance um, for the triggering emotion, but not the right circumstance for your natural reaction, that can lead to conflict or it could be very detrimental in a non-serving fashion. You know, something like losing your cool at a Christmas party or something along right. those lines, right? right. It, yep. You know, it there are some times where you were like, man, I wish I would have practiced keeping my cool more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's very true. And we all have that choice within us to, to make, right? And to your point, the more we practice what it is that we want, the stronger that neural pathway becomes in our bodies, in our brains, right? That we're, that we're building, excuse me. And that is the key to build that habit, to build that new way of being, it's that consistent practice of what it is you want versus what you don't want. But if I'm engaging at both at the same time, I'm still strengthening that old way of being, right, that I, that I don't want. So to that point, let's take what we've talked about so far, and now let's take it towards other people. So when we talk about the second part of emotional intelligence, we really get into the component about others. Social awareness. Am I aware of other people? Empathy. Uh, am I in tune with them, for example, right? Do I sense truly and accurately what they're feeling, what they're going through, where they're coming from? Do I understand that? We are taking essentially what we've leveraged about our own self-awareness. Now we're just taking that and applying it to other people. Are we picking up on those, those cues, the energy that they're putting out? Or are we ignoring it? Because I'll, I'll say this, I think we are actually very acutely aware of other people and picking up naturally as we interact with them, things that they're putting off. Because 60 to 65% of our communication is actually body language, right? It's nonverbal. We're picking up on that through our cues, through the energy they're putting out. But are we actually listening to that? 
are we choosing to ignore? Because it takes practice to really see that in other people and listen to it, right? Not, it's, um, it's a really good way of, of describing it. It's essentially like getting all this data dumped into my, my brain, but I'm just letting it kind of flow through like the numbers, uh, like ones and zeros, let's just say that input's constantly coming in, but I'm just disregarding what it's actually telling me, right? It takes practice to actually dig into that and to listen to it and see, oh, I could tell right, Andrew's really paying attention right now. I could see that visually. Or let's say he was kind of looking off in the distance, looking at his phone. I'm like, huh. I think I lost Andrew here. Maybe I need to pause and bring him back into, into the fold. That's what we're really talking about here when we're talking about the social awareness. Uh, and I'll give you one last example before I turn it over to you, Andrew. But there's days where you and I talk, right? And you could probably tell something's up. Maybe I've had like a really rough morning or a bad day. Um, you, you could tell that, right? And you're like, man, what's, what's going on? That's also kind of what we're talking about here is Maybe you have a coworker who is not their usual bubbly self today. Am I going to listen to what they're putting out to me and ask them if they're okay? Or am I just going to completely ignore it and straight talk business? And what impact does that actually have on them and tells them, do I care or do I not care? So let me turn it back to you before I keep going down on uh, different rabbit holes and tangents, but let's talk social awareness, man. Let's, uh, what's your take on this for our listeners? Again, something you need to practice and be aware of and think about it in different contexts too, right? Is that there, <clears throat> you don't want to be like, psychoanalyzing people where you're like what are they doing what do you need but like it, it's kind of like looking at something out of your peripheral vision right is you're not staring at it like examining it but like as you're engaged in something else you're keeping an eye on it right mm -hmm. as you're listening to the words you're looking at eye contact you're looking at engagement you're looking at you know is there head nods is there head shakes you know mm -hmm. is eyes mm -hmm. wide you know all those things say like my words are impacting you some fashion, right? Right. Um, and I think it's imperative to, like you said, if you see a coworker whose behavior is normally bubbly and then they're down, um, you know, obviously you can pick up on those things. And then the question comes in is how do you approach that, right? Do you have the relationship where you can just go up and say, hey, buddy, you look down, what's up? Um, or, you know, maybe you have to take a more political route and say, Hey, um, I don't want to bother you. Um, but I need, I need your help with something. Can you help me and, and see if you can just maybe pull them out of it and change their focus into, mm -hmm. you know, off themselves into something that you need to do uh, saying that in the workplace and just like how things can change. Right. 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 Because we're talking about, you know, uh, making small shifts, right? So inviting you to come help me do some work in the office could get you out of that place. Mm -hmm. you know, but also just, you know, giving you the opportunity for me to listen to you could also get you out of that place. Yeah. Um, 
or maybe it's a combination of the two. Or maybe you could say, hey, um, thanks for checking in, but I, I need to process some things right now on my own. And I can just respect that and leave you alone knowing that you know we've communicated. Um, but what I don't wanna do is notice that you're in a bad mood and you know, be passive aggressive towards you and then get attitude back and start, you know, this conflict, you know, battle. Right. I want what I want, you want what you want, and we're not talking about. It. Right. Yeah. And you're hinting on that last part of emotional intelligence, which is the relationship management piece. How do we manage those relationships? Is and it's really about essentially how do we influence them? How do we build people up? How do we lead them? How do we take them to kind of new heights and, and manage what we are seeing from them, the awareness we have of their emotions and what they're going through. And then how do we, to your point, help them say, come out of that or overcome that challenge, coach and develop them to be very, say, success focused in terms of growth oriented mindsets, achievement. It is possible, right, to embrace what they want versus say being stuck in that negative that non-serving that we can get stuck into that's really this relationship management piece of it how do we leverage that social awareness to take people to where they want to go and new heights and build that influence and leadership it's a great it's a great topic of conversation because we have this tendency that we can just disregard other people and power through what it is that we want and be very singularly focused. Now, there's also some very altruistic people out there, right? People who are benevolent, who do things out of kindness of their own heart for, for people, truly are in service of, of others. And that's okay to sometimes say be that selfishness, but in the times when other people need us the most, what are we going to choose? Are we gonna choose us or are we gonna choose them? And what's the impact again on that relationship? And if it's an important relationship in our lives, is that gonna wear on it? Like you were just talking about, right? Is that gonna break the relationship apart, break that conversation apart, make it very adversarial? Do we want it to go that route? Or do we want to leverage what we're feeling inside, what we're perceiving they're feeling inside to best manage ourselves and then manage that interaction successfully to get us to where we want to go together? I think that's a great part of what emotional intelligence can truly do for us is how do we bring awareness around ourselves, other people, and let's actually just characterize it as impact, the impact upon me and those other people in my life and how we best want to move forward to get us truly to where we both want to go or all of us want to go versus stepping over people and ignoring them. Yeah, and I, I wanna tie this in because it's something, well, most people who watch sports can can contest to and what i want to talk to is about momentum swings of mm. energy and you can see it in a singular game you can sometimes see it in a playoff series right, right. is <clears throat> one team at one moment 
just binds together as a unit in a much more impactful fashion than the other. You know, they're both giants of their industry and their, their talent, but that cohesiveness of unity overcomes and, and, and creates the victory for that unit. And I think that is a good way of kind of embodying like the way that I want to uh, tackle things when mm. we get put against the ropes is I want to rally cap. I want to, we're not out of this yet. We're not done. We're turning the tides. We are going to come together. What do we have to do to do that and face it together mm -hmm. as us? Um, you know, there, there's the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. And, <clears throat> you know, one thing that we can kind of see is that if we look at ourselves as the CEO of our lives, right, is sometimes us is just you and the family. Mm hmm you know, um, so it's really important for you to really be the leader for them first and bring out the best in them because they're your support too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and if you can embody that thought process and maybe become friends with other people who have families and talk about your challenges of running a family like that's what strengthening community looks like to me right as people sharing what are your challenges how did you overcome it you know what are the benefits of the processes that you've put in place with all these things and you start achieving more by letting more people in and one of the things that I think is very challenging for us is that we are kind of programmed to go more as you need to do this 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 and this for you right and you get stuck in that like i gotta do all these things for me mm. and that's like the first step it's like the beginning step of really having a fulfilled life is getting yourself complete enough that you can go to that next level, right? Where you need community to do more, mm -hmm. right? You can't just do it all by yourself or you and just your family. Like you need other people in the community to do other things. No one singular person has it all. Right. Um, so that's why I think it's so important for us to understand that it needs to come from us first so that we can get over that as fast as possible so that we can get into the deeper relationships with others and help give that to them as well so that we can, you know, empower each other to do better. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't want to step over others to get where I'm going. I want, I want to help others up so that we're all crossing the finish line together. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, that's a great way of kind of bringing this all together, right? Is it's this pursuit of connection and this pursuit of 
achievement, not just for me, but for everybody, for bettering people altogether better, right, is a good way of describing it. And that's actually a great quick side tangent because Andrew's got an a actual indoor dog place called Altogether Better. And that is exactly his philosophy because he really does want everyone to be lifted up together and to help us achieve success, not just singularly, but together. And I, and I appreciate it be, greatly because I think it's a really good illustration of the emotional intelligence, right? That you exhibit with, with other people and that you employ in your life. And I think the lesson here for our viewers and our listeners is it really does take a journey for us to explore ourselves first. Because once we've done that within ourselves, it's easy to apply that to other people and to start seeing where we can be really much in tune, in sync with other people, pick up on the things that they're putting out. It may look a little different than us, but that's okay because they are like us. They do want to be happy in their lives. They do want success as well. And it does often take a village, right? We've talked about raising kids, right? It takes a village, to your point. It takes support, not only internally from ourselves, but other people. And when I'm very emotionally intelligent and I'm, I'm empathetic to them and I'm compassionate and I have concerns for others, it comes across to other people. They're picking up on this, just like I'm picking it up on what they're laying down emotionally. For me, they pick up on it for us as well. And that's a foundational piece that can strengthen the social awareness and relationship management side of emotional intelligence is who am I? Who do I want to be? When I embrace all parts of me and I embrace the serving and the non-serving emotions that I have, and I leverage what it is that I want to achieve and that success orientation or that solution focused to really manage those in the best way possible for me, it's going to have this impact on other people as well. And it's gonna lift us all up. I would say as a prime example is think about a charismatic leader in your life that you empathize with or you connect with and you follow. Who are they as a person? What do you get from them in terms of their emotional intelligence? They can serve as this inspiration that helps us leverage it in ourselves as well to be more emotionally intelligent, to bring more people into the fold and achieve success altogether. But <laughs> thanks. Thanks for those, those plugs, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but you're absolutely right. And, and that's the thing is that it, it is a business about creating more community and standards and dog training is an unregulated field and it is it needs regulation and it needs to be looked at um, with some eyes from some professionals who have a lot of experience in both client management and dog behavior. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's very important because it, dogs are emotional creatures too. And just like we talked about, you know, um, management is, teaching your dog to manage their emotions is very challenging uh, because their emotions and your emotions are tied yet conflicting based on the situations that you put yourself in. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest problems with dogs is what we call dog reactivity. 
um, which is, you know, growling, lunging, barking, um, whining excessively when they see things in the environment while out on a walk. Well, that's their emotional standpoint at that moment that you need to be aware of. Then their behavior is triggering an emotion in you that you need to be aware of. And you have to manage yourself to help manage them so that you can be a leader to them and help them through it. Mm -hmm. And just like we don't want to suppress our emotions, you don't want to just stop the emotion. You want to help find a productive outlet for that. Do you, do you need to stop? Do you need to look at me? Do we need to walk faster? Do you need to sniff the ground? There are many things that you can choose to do to help that emotional, that energy in motion, that emotional charge of that animal um, into something that is more serving for you and your animal in that situation. Right. Um, it's not about stopping the barking. It's about why is the barking happening? Oh, there's something over there that's doing that. Well, what are you going to do with that energy? Let's try this. Let's try that and see what works. Um, and, you know, the same process you go for you is when you are emotionally charged and you feel that is what else can I do right now? Can, can, I, can I breathe? Can I pull over and, 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 and cry? Because, you know, if, if yeah. you need to do that, you need to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. So there it. it doesn't make it right or wrong it just gives you options yeah so you know to to kind of sum it all together again is it all beings experience emotion and being aware of it and what triggers emotion helps you manage it and it really is just a simple observation and practice of observing and applying different circumstances and evaluating the consequences of that yeah. it is we known as the abc of behavior is antecedent behavior consequence it happens in a string over and over again um and we you know we went through many examples but that structure is in every example we gave there is a trigger there is a action and then there is an effect mm. antecedent behavior consequence yeah. It is the foundation of what makes everything, everything. And if you can be in tune to that, then you have an advantage over others. And you can also help promote others with that advantage, which makes us all together better. Yeah. Yeah. And to that point, to wrap this up in a nice, neat bow, it starts with you. And once you've mastered you, then you can expand it to others. To do that, it starts with awareness. And then what do we do with that awareness? How do we manage it? Same thing for others. Really kind of this two-step process. And the beauty in all of this is we are all absolutely 100% capable of doing this and growing and developing those skill sets. It's up to us if we want to do that. So thank you, Andrew, for joining me today. I've really enjoyed this, this conversation. I actually really do love this topic because I think it is a linchpin for really harnessing our relationships with, with people and ourselves. And there's so much more beyond, say, emotional intelligence, a lot of other things that come into play. But it is a very hot topic today, and it is something that's very true and, and necessary.
for us to really leverage who we want to be as human beings. So again, thank you so much for joining me, sharing your insights and your feedback today. It's been very enjoyable. Yeah, I, uh, I think if we all just take a moment and, and stop being greedy and um, in the wrong fashion is be self-focused, but not self-centered. Mm. Um, and, you know, reach out to others, see what's possible. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make this world better. Let's step out of what we just been through and look to better, brighter futures. And on that note, everyone have a great, bright day. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing. If you would like more information on coaching, look at striveformore.com to find Steve's business, or you can look for pet care options at pittsburghpetcare.com. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at contact at pittsburghpetcare.com. See you next time.